several weeks, we've been studying together uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, we find Jesus concluding that sermon with three warnings. Warning to choose carefully the gate you enter, the prophet you follow, and the foundation you build upon. Very timely warnings we need to heed. Let's examine them this morning and make certain that we have made the right choices. We're in Matthew chapter 7, ready for verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Jesus paints a picture of two gates here. Gates that open onto two separate roadways that lead to two distinct destinations. One gate is narrow, the other is wide. Now, the wide gate is without a doubt the most popular. Many people, Jesus says, are entering through it. There are few going through the narrow gate. But Jesus tells us to enter that narrow gate. Why? Quite simply because the wide gate opens onto a broad way that Jesus says leads to destruction. It's the narrow gate that opens onto a narrow roadway that leads to life. Now, this teaching shouldn't surprise us. Didn't Jesus also say in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's a controversial statement. And one that is not readily accepted in our society. And in view of all the philosophies and religions of the world, that's a pretty narrow gate. But then again, didn't the writer of Proverbs say, there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You know, just because everyone's doing it doesn't make it right. In fact, the majority, according to Jesus is dead wrong. Only those who enter through the narrow gate will find life. Life eternal. Now, I'm sure you've heard the expression, you know, all roads lead to the same place. Well, that's almost true. All roads but one do lead to the same place. They all lead to hell. What a shocking statement. Jesus used the word destruction. That sounds a little nicer. Hell is the absence of God. Hell is everything that God is not. All roads but one lead away from our Heavenly Father. They're all lanes on the broad road to destruction. 
Only one road leads to life. And that's the road that is entered through faith in Jesus Christ. If we think we can get there on any other road, we're going to be sadly mistaken, eternally mistaken. You know, the road of good works won't get us to heaven. The road of church membership won't get us to heaven. The road of morality won't get us to heaven. There are a lot of good people on those roads, but they're on the wrong road. And while they may not recognize it, they're on the same road with unrepentant idolaters and adulterers and murderers. And unless they turn around and go back to the starting gate, they will never get to the right place. You don't just end up on the right road. You've got to make a definite decision to go through the gate of faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the fact that He died for you, that He paid the penalty for your sin, and that only through His righteousness will you ever be found acceptable in the eyes of God. He is the gate you must enter. So choose carefully the only gate that leads to life. And choose carefully the prophet you follow. Let's read on. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There are a lot of prophets out there trying to direct us through a gate and onto a path to follow. We've got to be very careful to choose the right prophet, the right spokesman for God. Because some proclaiming to be his spokesman are actually wolves in sheep's clothing. They're wolves who take on the appearance of a shepherd who look like a shepherd and sound like a shepherd, but they don't have a shepherd's heart. They don't really care for the sheep. Instead, Jesus says they're like hungry 
ravenous wolves that are motivated by their own appetites, appetites for power or prestige or wealth. Who could doubt that such prophets exist in the world today? And the only way to tell a good prophet from a bad prophet, a false prophet from a true prophet, is to examine the fruit of their life. Not their success or the size of their following, but the fruit of their life. Good trees bear good fruit, and bad trees bear bad fruit. Now, at first glance, it may be difficult to tell the good fruit from the bad. The Palestinian buckthorn, for example, has little black berries that from a distance look like grapes, but they are not grapes. And the flower of a thistle looks like a, a fig before it fully blossoms and blooms, but it's not a fig. The same is true of a prophet's fruit. A false prophet can seem very fervent, crying, Lord, Lord. A false prophet can prophesy in the name of Jesus. He might even be able to cast out demons and perform miracles in Jesus' name. But then again, Satan himself can appear as an angel of light. So we've got to look beneath the surface. We've got to look at a man's character. We've got to see if he is a man who really knows Jesus, who reflects the character of Jesus, or just knows about him. That's why it's so important for you to have a personal relationship with anyone you consider a prophet, even a shepherd. And that's the danger of making a television or radio personality or a pastor you only see on a video screen your shepherd. They may look good or sound good, but are they good? It's hard to tell. You know, occasionally we hear of one who's been exposed as a ravenous wolf, but it's so hard to tell without personal contact. That's not to say we can't watch them or listen to them, but we must exercise even more vigilance with them than is required when following a shepherd we do know. We must weigh everything they say because we don't know them. And we can't know them well enough from a distance to examine the fruit of their life, their personal character, their personal commitment to Christ, their personal obedience to his word. We've got to be very careful in choosing a prophet to follow. If we're going to follow one other than Jesus himself, and most of us do at least need a shepherd to help guide us in life. So be careful and choose wisely because a false prophet can lead you to the wrong gate or encourage you to build on the wrong foundation, verses 24 through 27.
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. There are a lot of voices out there telling us what to build our lives upon. And probably the strongest for us is the voice of our culture that says, build your life on the pleasure principle. If it makes you happy, go for it. You deserve it. You can have anything you want. You can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. And for a time, that may be true. We can build a life that looks good, that looks successful, that looks satisfying. But like a house built on the sand, if it's built on the pleasure principle, it's not going to stand when the storms come. It may withstand a squall or two, but when the final storm comes, when death comes, when the flood of eternal judgment falls, it will collapse. It will be washed away. The only houses that will survive all the stresses of life and the stresses of death are those that are built upon the rock. And that rock is Jesus. His person and his word. That's why he says a wise man is the one who hears these words of his and acts upon them. If we want a life that will survive the tests of life, and a life that will survive the final judgment will have to be a life built on the spiritual principles that Jesus outlined in the Sermon on the Mount. If you need a refresher, we got a whole row of sermons over there. The teaching is so vital that we understand what Jesus is saying what he's teaching his disciples, those who will be his apostles, those who are to share his good news with the world. Principles that we need to know and understand if we're to know life and know it abundantly and eternally. We've got to build our life on those spiritual principles. And there's all kinds of voices out there telling us what to build our life on today. We don't need to enumerate them. I'm not even going to try to apply it to your life. I'm going to let you do that. Take the principles that we learn in God's Word and personalize them yourself. And then let them change you.
changing. As a quick overlook of the sermon, we begin, you remember, by adopting the kingdom attitudes, the be attitudes, what he wants us to be. Then we acknowledge the bankrupt nature of life apart from God, and we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Then we commit ourselves to building a life of eternal significance, and we willingly forego some of the temporal pleasures of life to pursue an eternal reward. We have to be willing to put others before ourselves as Christ was willing to put our needs before his own. We'll not be able to settle for surface religion. We'll have to lay open our heart and surrender it completely to his will. We'll have to give up attempts to find security in earthly treasures and trust Him implicitly on a daily basis. And then we'll have to accept responsibility for our brother, praying for wisdom to know how to best minister to him and to help him be all that God wants him to be. Now, obviously, that's not a life built on the pleasure principle of me first. And it's not the life that is promoted by the majority of prophets in our world today. But it's the only life that will last. The only life that will pass the test. And a wise man will therefore build his life upon it. We must choose carefully the gate we enter, the prophet we follow, and the foundation we build upon. If we don't, we will end up eternally disappointed. And the gate we enter is Jesus Christ. The prophet we follow is Jesus Christ. And the rock we build upon is Jesus Christ. It should be obvious what our choice must be. We choose Jesus. And we surrender our all to Him.